Our scripture lesson today comes from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Let's share in God's good word together. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Most of us know we will never be the greatest. Just don't let us be the least. Gathered at the Passover feast, the disciples were keenly aware that someone needed to wash the other's feet. The problem was that the only people who washed feet were the least. So there they sat, feet caked with dirt. It was such a sore point that they were not even going to talk about it. No one wanted to be considered the least. Then Jesus took a towel and a basin and redefined greatness. These words are from Richard Foster's incredible work, Celebration of Discipline. Did you know service is actually an ancient discipline of the church? It helps us beat back pride, pretension, and simply being too big for our britches. One of my favorite stories is about a woman throwing a big dinner party for all of her friends. The table is set, the candles are lit, the tablecloth is just so, and they all sit down to eat, and the woman asks her seven-year-old daughter to say the blessing. Well, I don't want to, Susie muttered. Come on, Susie, her mother coaxed. You can do it. Just say what you hear mommy say. Susie says, well, okay. Dear God, why did I invite all these people to dinner? We have a lot to learn about serving others, don't we? So let's get started as we go all in this week to serve. So we're in our fourth week of our sermon series, All In. And as a way of introduction, I love the graphic, but you need to know as Methodist, we're not people of chance. We are people of love, power, and self-discipline. That's what um, the scripture tells us. That's what we've been reading each and every week. Nope, we don't gamble. We're not people of chance. We are people empowered by the Holy Spirit to love, power, and self-discipline. So in week one, as we got started, we learned that worship is something we do, but church, well, that's who we are. You and I, we are the church, the body of Christ all around the world. And so every baptized Christian is connected to every other baptized Christian on the planet. We are one body in Christ. So we go to worship, we are the church. And as United Methodist Christians, we are all in with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness that God might be glorified. And so first week was prayers, um, then it was presence, uh, last week was gifts, and you know where we're headed this week? is service. So in week two, uh, we say we go all in to show up for one another with our presence. It's not just simply going to worship. It's actually showing up for one another, to have true fellowship, uh, you know, one to another, caring for one another. Uh, And that week, we looked at the story of Ruth, and God takes Ruth's commitment to her mother-in-law and saves the world. If you look in the genealogy of Matthew, there's Ruth. She's the great-grandma of King David. And of course, our Savior Jesus Christ comes through his line. So last week, We looked at the early church described in Acts 2 went all in with their finances. Yep, with their gifts. It was 100% in the early church. Uh, The Old Testament was 10%. The early church in the New Testament was 100%. And this is why. You say, well, why why in the world would somebody give their entire life and and worth uh, to the church? Well, because they took Jesus seriously at his word. Hear what Jesus said in this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid. Then in his joy, he figures out, oh my gosh, this is worth more than I have. So in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. That's how good the kingdom of heaven is. 
Yep, they took Jesus at his word that the kingdom of God is worth more than everything they had. Still true today. The kingdom of God is where what God wants done is done. And there, that is the greatest place to be for all eternity in this life and the next. But you know, it's always in competition with your kingdom. And your kingdom, my kingdom, well, that's where you, what you want done is done, right? And, and your kingdom is always in competition with God's kingdom. We have to choose. And so knowing this about us, Jesus teaches this in Matthew 6, that we are to give to God first and trust him with everything else because God knows our need. God knows we need clothes. God knows we need food. God knows we need to be taken care of. And so when we give to God first what God asks of us, then we can trust him with the results. So last week, we asked the folks that call Acts 2 uh, your church home, what percentage of the gifts given you is God asking you to share with the church in 2022? Today, we hope that you will turn those in, um, either in person or online, and as we plan and prepare for a great 2022. But that's, that's not it. All of these things are for our good. They're, they're not um, just for God, but they're really things that help us live into the life that God has for us. So today, we're going to look at works of service and because they provide the opportunity for faithfulness, for fellowship, and freedom. When we serve others, all of these things come to pass. And so I want to talk to you just a little bit about full service and self-service. When I was a little boy, if you drove into a gas station, you could either have full serve or self serve. And full service, it costs more, of course, but self serve, you didn't get the same thing. In full serve, you had things like they would uh, wash your windshield and they would make sure, you know, what your level of oil was and, and what your windshield wiper fluid was. They would check your tires. It was full service and it was the best, but it cost more. Self serve was cheaper, but that was just you doing it yourself. So I want to show you the difference in the Christian life between self-serve and full-serve. With self-serve, that requires external rewards. But with full-service, we're free of the need to calculate results. How beautiful it is. We don't need to know how it's all going to turn out. We'll leave that to God. We're just going to show up and serve. With self-service, well, we pick and choose whom to serve. Are they worthy? What will they do with it? If I give them some money, I'm not sure what they will do. So maybe I will or maybe I won't. No. That's about you and about your results and your expectations. No, full service in Christ, Jesus says to be a servant of who? Of all. Of all. If there's a need, meet it. It's really that simple. So Jesus, um, around this, he, said, he asked the disciples, he says, what are you arguing about on the way? They're at Capernaum now in this story. But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. So Jesus sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. And then he takes a little child and he put it among them. And taking it in his arms, Jesus said to them, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Little children were not thought of as much uh, in those days and uh, people didn't want to be bothered with them. And so they really had no rights at all in in the ways that our children do today. And so they were to be dismissed. And Jesus says, no. We are to welcome and serve all of God's children, all of them. That includes you and me, thank God. So the next thing in self-service, well, it's affected by our moods and whims. Well, I feel like, oh, I'll serve God, you know, when I really feel like it. No, when I'm having a good day. No, full service, we minister simply because there's a need. We see a need and we meet it. 
It doesn't matter what the weather is outside. It doesn't matter how we're feeling that day. It doesn't matter if we're feeling super religious. We simply do it because it's the right thing to do. That's being all in for God with our service. And then self-service, well, it's insensitive. This is really tough on mission trips. When we go um, out to help somebody, sometimes they're not quite ready to receive the help. And we have to be on their timetable. Sometimes they don't want to have the help that we have to give. We need to honor them. And if you're not careful, if it's about you and about a photo op or about how you feel or about being able to report back to your friends what you did, you're likely being sensitive to the actual needs that God is asking you to care for. So in full service, when we're all in, we can either withhold service if it's not the right time or maybe it's the not, right, not the right way or maybe it's not with the, the right people who have come to do that work. We can either withhold it as well as we can perform it. Either way. If God wants us to do, we will. If God says don't, then we won't. It doesn't matter either way because God is in charge both of the work and of the results. And finally, is it a box to check? In self-service, like, oh yeah, here's another thing on my list. I need to do this to get my National Honor Society points, or I need to do this to get my Boy Scout badge or my Girl Scout badge, or I need to do this to you know, get a candy bar at Sunday school, whatever it is. It's a box to check. You're just going down the list. But in full service, friends, it's a lifestyle. When you serve, you become like Jesus, and it's your whole life. Wherever God wants you to go, whatever God wants you to do, you serve in his name and joy and in his power. A number of years ago, uh, we made t-shirts around here, and um, I, I love this shirt. It simply says, how may I help you? Notice that it doesn't say, uh, this is what I'm going to do for you, and you're going to say thank you, and you're going to like it. No, that's not service at all. So we put, when we put on these shirts here at Acts 2, we ask the question, how may I help you? It's a real question. How, how we, might we be of help to you? And if we can do it, we do it. Because here's the thing, friends. It's one thing to serve. It's quite another to be a servant. We want to be a servant like Christ. So what is this service? Uh, what is it that we're really talking about? It's much more, I think, than you might guess. Being active in your church means you do, you don't just say. Uh, This is from a 78-year-old woman named Ridge Pilcher. She joined the church when she was 72. And you know why she joined the Methodist Church? Because we're doers, because we're people who make a difference in the world. And she wanted to be a part of a people like that. Not just people who talk, but people who do, who show up and care for the world, particularly in those places where it's hurting. But there's lots of types of service. And you might say, well, I just, I'm not good at that. Well, there's a big range of things. Um, that include service. I want to share, share some of them with you um, from what Richard Foster says in his book, Celebration Discipline. So hear these. The first service I want to lift up is the service of hiddenness. And Richard Foster says, it sends ripples of joy and celebration through any community of people. Uh, this time of year, some people um, say they're booed. They have these little gifts during uh, October season. And that's fun, but you're just getting a gift. You don't know who did it. Uh, later, you have sort of like secret Santa around Christmas time. And um, some of the best gifts I've ever received or given were done in hiddenness. Uh, we got a, a, a gift last February. I still don't know who gave it to us. And it just makes me happy thinking about it. The second service that one should perform for another in a Christian community is that of active helpfulness. Now, this is from Dietrich Bonhoeffer um, in his book, Life Together, uh, a Christian martyr in Germany um, during World War II. And so 
this helpfulness, and, and we, you can think of people like this. We have people in our church, and I know it doesn't matter what's going on. They're going to be helpful. They're ready to pick up a chair, move a table, make a meal, take a meal to someone else, sit with someone and listen. They're just helpful. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be a big thing. It could be a very small thing. It might be a big thing, might be a medium thing. It doesn't matter to them because they simply want to be helpful. You can be a person who's helpful. That's a great thing. A third way of service is to simply hold your tongue. Holding your tongue and guarding the reputation of others is a type of service. It really is. You do a great service to our community when you simply guard the reputation of everybody else in our community. You refuse to talk badly about anyone and you refuse to listen to anyone who is talking badly about anyone because we are to be people in the service of protecting one another's reputation. Titus 3.2 says it like this, to speak evil of no one, nope, not a single person, to avoid quarreling and to be gentle. That's what the Bible says. Then, and this, one, this is a hard one for some people, and it is the service of being served. The service of being served is an act of submission, allowing others to serve us. The biblical example here is Peter, of course, when Jesus went to wash his feet. And Peter's like, oh, no, you're not going to wash my feet, as if it's some sort of false humility. No, that was really pride that Peter was saying. Right? He's like, oh, no, you know, no, 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 I'm better than that. You don't have to do that to me. I'm better than these other people who you're washing their feet. You see how that works? Sometimes when someone wants to do something nice for you, you need to say yes. Uh, a child uh, sings you a song or writes a poem or, or writes you, uh, you know, makes you a little doodle. Receive it in joy. Maybe you have a need and someone is ready to help you, but you don't think they're in the right station of life or ability to do it. Well, friends, that's pride. It's a big deal to allow others to serve you. The service of being served. It's important. And then one of my favorites, the service of what I call good manners or common courtesy. Things like thank you and yes, please. And oh my gosh, and Edmund, will you please RSVP? If someone is kind enough to, you know, invite you to a birthday party, to feed you, to, you know, to share presents and to share life and to open their home, at least let them know you're coming. Our, our culture around this, these days is terrible uh, in our town. Has been for the last 20 years I've lived here. Um, I can't, and it's, and it's a nightmare because all of a sudden you think, you know, you got five kids coming, you got 25 kids show up at your house. It doesn't work very well. We want to be people of common courtesy who say, please, thank you, and let people know if we're going to show up at their doorstep. So again, back to the Bible in Titus 3, 2. It's not just that we're going to speak evil of no one. No, we're also going to show what? Courtesy to who? everyone. Not pick and choosing, but we're going to show courtesy to everyone. We're going to write thank you notes. We're going to send letters of appreciation. We're going to show up for one another and say thank you. And then uh, my wife's favorite service, the service of hospitality. And around here, we try to have radical hospitality, make it better than you think it, it might be. So the service of hospitality and welcome is desperately needed in our day. We need people to open their homes and, and to bless others and to serve and to care. But it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be extravagant. It can simply be as simple as, come over. Let's eat a bologna and cheese sandwich and talk. Or let's have a cup of tea and talk. Or, or whatever your favorite beverage might be. Let's just sit down and visit. Your house doesn't even have to be clean. Just invite someone over and show up for them and extend them hospitality wherever you are, however you can. Again, the Bible says this, be hospitable to one another without complaining. 
Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. Another way of service is listening. The service of listening requires compassion and patience. Have you ever received the gift of someone listening to you who is a really good listener? It'll change your life. And you, you have the ability to listen well and change other people's lives for good. And then here's one you might know uh, from the scriptures. It's bearing one another's burdens. The service of bearing each other's burdens and weeping. We weep with those who weep. And if you've had a major loss or a trauma or you're sick, you know the gift that it is for someone simply to sit with you, to share your burden, to share your grief, and to be present for you in that time. It's such a powerful service of Christ. So again, the Bible in Galatians, Paul writes to the early church, bear one another's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. It's one of the ways that we love one another. And then finally, there is the beautiful service of sharing the word of life. Jesus himself, the spirit itself, God himself. We share the service of the word of life and no one can hear all that God wants to say. No one has the book on God. No one person knows everything that God wants to say. And so if God's been speaking to your heart, if you've been in the word, if you have an aha moment uh, in the Christian life, it is a beautiful thing to share with others what God is doing in your life. So much more effective than telling other people what they need to do with their life. You can simply say, this is what Jesus is doing in my life. This is how he's transforming me and my family and the world around me. And they say, okay, so there's lots and lots of ways of service. Why is it important? Well, serving the needs of others is the character of a Methodist. It's really what sets us apart. We have always had a method for changing the world. We were people who, from the very beginning, John Wesley would preach um, to the coal miners, and, and you would, they would have tears of joy and of repentance coming down their face, and you could see the streaks on their face of, of all the, you know, the coal dust that was on them. Uh, Sunday school started by Methodists to actually teach children how to read, how to write. It was actually school before worship happened. It wasn't just Sunday school as we think of it today. It was actually school on Sunday for kids who didn't have an education. And so our founder, John Wesley, he said this, Christ has many services to be done. Some are easy, others are difficult. Some bring honor, others bring reproach. Some are suitable to our natural inclinations and temporal interests. Others are contrary to both. Yet the power to do all these things is given to us in Christ who strengthens us. Friends, this was written in 1755. And service and the need for it, it hasn't changed much. Sometimes it fits us really well and sometimes it's hard. Each and every year at at the turn of the year around January, uh, at least in our tradition here in Oklahoma, the clergy of the United Methodist Church, we gather to worship together and go through what we call a covenant renewal service. It was something that John Wesley um, instituted uh, and it was in, in some other traditions as well. But in our tradition, we do this each and every year to recommit ourselves to ministry, to the love and service of Christ. And so the, the service goes like this. Commit yourselves to Christ as his servants. Give yourselves to him that you may belong to him. Christ has many services to be done. Some are more easy and honorable. Others are more difficult and disgraceful. Some are suitable to our inclinations and interests. Others are contrary to both. In some, we may please Christ and please ourselves. But then there are other works where we cannot please Christ except by denying ourselves. 
It is necessary, therefore, that we consider what it means to be a servant of Christ. Let us, therefore, go to Christ and pray together. Will you pray with me? Let me be your servant under your command. I will no longer be my own. I will give up myself to your will in all things. Thanks be to God. Amen. This is so important, friends, because people who serve, we change the world for good. When we commit all in to Christ and what he has for us and the people that we are to serve, people who serve change the world for good. Say that with me, friends. People who serve change the world for good. For good. During the reign of Marcus Aurelius around 165 AD, an epidemic that might have been smallpox killed up to a third of the population, including Marcus Aurelius himself. Then around 100 years later, another epidemic hit, killing up to 5,000 people a day in the city of Rome alone. A Greek historian of the time wrote, they died with no one to look after them. The bodies of the dying were heaped up, one on top of the other. People were thrown into the streets to die in hopes that their death outside and away from their family and friends would somehow stop the plague. The Christians of that time began to care for the dying. And the Bishop of Alexandria wrote these words. They attended to their every need and ministered to them in Christ. And then he wrote these words. They departed this life serenely happy, for they were infected by others with the disease drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pains. As Christian communities responded to the hungry and sick, the outside world began to take notice, and by the 4th and 5th centuries, Christians had raised enough money in order to honor Christ to build places to care for those with leprosy. This was the beginning of what we call now today hospitals. It's no wonder that we have hospitals named Baptist, St. Anthony, Methodist, and Mercy. Yes, people who serve change the world for good. The founder of the Red Cross was a follower of Jesus who was so moved by the sound of soldiers crying out on a battlefield that he knew he had to do something. And so in the 1860s, he devoted his life to serving the wounded in Jesus' name. John Ortberg writes, Every time you see the Red Cross, you are seeing a thumbprint of Jesus. The folks over here on the right, Um, That's known as Red Crescent that represent many Muslim countries. And you say, well, so why as Christians, why as Methodist Christians are we sold out that we're all in to serve? Well, friends, it's because Jesus' people are people of the towel. We're not people of title. We're people of the towel. And people who use towels serve and wash feet. Around the table that night, when Jesus gathered them around the table and their feet were dirty... I can only imagine that they remembered back to a conversation they had had earlier on their way from Capernaum about who was the greatest and who was the least. And they might have remembered Jesus' words to them when he said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones are tyrants over them. It will not be so among you, but whoever wishes to be great among you must be your, say it with me, servant. Jesus had already told them this by the time they got to the table. He goes on, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be your slave, just as the Son of Man, a name that Jesus used for himself, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came and served and gave his life for you and for me and for the world. As I referenced earlier, John Ortberg is one of my favorite speakers and authors. In his book, The Life You've Always Wanted, he writes, When Jesus said, the last shall be first and the least shall be great. 
and the slave the greatest of all, he wasn't giving orders. He was simply describing the truth about God's kind of community and how different it looks from the way things generally work in our world. And then he said this. I love this quote. When Jesus came in the form of a servant, he was not disguising who God is. He was revealing who God is. And so Jesus says, So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Very truly I tell you, servants are not greater than their master. We are not greater. We are not above service. If Jesus came to serve, we are here to serve. That's why we exist, to bless the world. I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. And then he says this. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. If you do them. You're not blessed if you just know them. You're not blessed if you just think about them. You're not blessed if you go to a conference and hear people speak about them. You're blessed if you do them. So our action steps for this week. Um, And you knew this from last week. We are asking you now to serve together to be a blessing to the world through your gifts. And so we ask that you would turn in your 2022 estimate of giving today so we can serve better together. We can simply do much more together. We can bless the world better together. And so we hope you'll go online today uh, and just let us know what your intention is for 2022 so that we can better bless the world together. And then I invite you to pray a very bold prayer with me. Pray. Lord Jesus, as it would please you, bring me someone today whom I can serve. Can you say that with me? Lord Jesus, as it would please you, bring me someone today whom I can serve. And when that person shows up in your life, and you'll know it, you'll know it in your heart. If you've been praying this prayer, God will bring you people that you can bless, that you can serve, that you can care for in this life, this very day for the very transformation of the world. I hope you will. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.